to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine with Reliant Lithium Batteries, providing the juice. I am David Chong, and joining me is Danny Blanford. Welcome back, Danny. How are you doing? I know that fishing was involved this past weekend, it sounded like. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing great, David. Uh, had a great weekend, got to do some fishing. Um, we can hit on that on our segment of the show. I'm kind of excited today, though, because I get to bring um, my definition of professional fishermen to the, to join us this <laughs> evening. And these are people that get paid for fishing, whether they catch them or not. Uh, some good friends of mine and something that I'm really excited about is that they're uh, partners with us, uh, even taking the moniker of an AC insider. And that is our friends at Half Past First Cast, our AC insider travel experts, Pete and Hannah Robbins. Uh, got a chance to travel with them before it was half past first cast, and it kind of changed my life. And I look forward to bringing their stuff and their adventures to our audience. So with no further ado, the Globetrotters, Hannah and Pete Robbins, welcome aboard, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. It's good to be here. Hey, guys. Um, we are today, we posted the piece about you going to El Salto coming up. But prior to that, we did a little introduction of who you guys were. And I give David a hard time all the time. He moves so much stuff through that site so quickly that you guys didn't get a lot of residual time on the page. So I wanted to use the podcast as an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourselves and half past first cast, how it came to be and uh, what you hope to do with it. Sure, I'll start. And first of all, thank you guys so much for having us on today. This is a really great opportunity and it's a great opportunity to work with you. Danny, you didn't even go back further to before we went to El Salto. You and I have worked together, I want to say starting back in 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the, the defunct Professional Anglers Association. Mm -hmm. yep. So we, we've known each other for a long time. And I was thinking that the last time that you and I were together at one of those events was in Branson on the, the river walk there for a PAA event fall, I want to say 2000. I'm thinking we're honing, honing in on my last one. Was there a drink involved? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, um, yeah. But like what, what's cool about that is everything comes full circle. I was thinking about it because you and I were there. I think that was my first time I'd ever been to Branson. I've been to Table Rock a couple of times since then. But I was thinking this past weekend, I was at home working for Bass. And mm -hmm. where was Hannah? Hannah was at Table Rock fishing with Chad Morgenthaler, who was kind of the key player in that. So, right. so I, I always say that. I like to think that the good people in the fishing industry hang around. They just find different things to do over time. And I think we've all found that thing to do. And for Hannah and I, right now, the, the real thing that we jones on is travel. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I'm going to I'm going to jump because I want to talk to Hannah about that part. But I got to tell you guys, since we're talking sentimental and full circle and stuff, um, I hit on it in your introduction, guys. But honestly, hooking up with you guys and going to El Salto uh, on a couple's trip, it honestly kind of changed the direction of my life. Um, we had, I've been in the industry with you uh, and a variety of different projects and I had taken a moment to step out of it. 
And my mother wanted to retire. I bought a restaurant so that she could, I bought her restaurant so that she could retire. Uh, I had no, I no desire to be a restaurant guy, but it's my mom and I'm an only child and she wanted to retire. So we did it. And Holly and I did that together. And I was pretty miserable. Uh, great business. I had a great team, but it wasn't fishing. And I was going through some stuff and Hannah posted something about who wants to go to Mexico and go bass fishing. And it was with you and Hannah to go to Mexico to go bass fishing. And man, there was a morning in my office where I just sent Hannah a message and said, I'm in. And we literally figured it out. It was one of the more impulsive things I've ever done because I'm a thinker to the nth degree. I booked that trip on an impulse. And within about three hours, I decided that I was going to put my restaurant up for sale. And from the time that we booked the trip till the time that we left for Mexico, I listed a business for sale and I booked a flight to Mexico and I came down there and I fished with you guys for three and a half days. Um, there was some margaritas, some big bass involved and what you guys were doing as a couple and the opportunity that my wife and I had as a couple, I decided right then and there that I needed to be in the fishing space. And that happened at El Salto. And so for things to go full circle and realize, uh, yeah, I remember sitting at Table Rock and, and I also remember sitting at Angler's Inn and, um, you know, things happen for a reason. And now we're back together and you guys are producing stuff for us and, and we're helping spread the word. And I think it's great. And Hannah, we didn't have an opportunity to really get to know each other until Mexico, but why don't you share your story? We were on a couple's trip, which was the first time that I had met very many females that traveled. You know, I think you had couples and then you had some other gals, but you were just getting into getting these gals involved in some of this stuff. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, many girls, I think uh, they're just reluctant to go because they're, they're scared. They're mm -hmm. worried about safety. Uh, they don't know who to call, who to be with. And so that's where I come in. Mm -hmm. I mean, my husband's not going to take me to a place where either one of us feel unsafe. And we've been there over 25 times. I've been there by myself without right. him. Right. Going meeting up with other people. I mean, it's like that place is uh, home away from home. Everybody down there becomes your family. That's how it is for us. Uh, we talk to them on a regular basis and getting people down there. This is like my Disneyland, watching people whirl up to the compound, what I call the compound for the mm -hmm. first time, watching their faces open the, the van doors open. And it's just party from, from the get go. It's mm -hmm. and they have such a good time. I mean, basically, you know, everybody always say, says to me, the men and the women, we had such a good time. The people there, the food was good, this and that. And I'm like, how about the fishing? I mean, the mm -hmm. fishing is second to none, right? Mm -hmm. But more, more than that, the, the staff makes the trip. And even though the fishing is outstanding, it's just you don't have to lift a finger. Right. And you, you don't have to do anything. If something, if something happens, uh, you know, flights get canceled, this, everybody's there to help. And... You know, granted, again, the fishing is wonderful, but everything else that goes on around the scenes makes the trip awesome. Yeah, I think it's that camaraderie part. And that's a big part of why I wanted to include a lot of what you guys were doing. You know, we do tournament stuff, tournament stuff, tournament stuff, industry news, industry news. And we cater to people who love the tournament world. Um, but in my various projects in the industry, I, I think probably only one out of 10 people who love fishing love tournament fishing. 
And I feel like you guys really cater to those other nine people who, you know, they like tournaments. They think tournaments are cool, but they just enjoy fishing and seeing what you guys do, taking things on destinations. I think it was in your introductory article, Pete, you hit on, you know what? Occasionally I give up some prime days at home, but it's world-class where I go, when I go and the experience is worth it all. Right. And that's really what you guys have done is you've made the experience easier. I mean, would I have, had the know-how or the ability to book that trip, to know how to make my own rod tube. Is it worth taking my own rod? All the different stuff. You know, I had a Pete and Hannah button and it made me go take a trip that I really enjoyed. And so now we're making you more visible to our audience in hopes that some of those people get an opportunity, even if it's not with you guys, we're not, we're not hard selling you guys in that regard. But what we are hard selling is, is that it's a great big world and there's a lot of stuff you can catch on hook and line. And I think you guys bring that too, because you have some other trips coming up that aren't bass fishing, right? Yeah, right, I, I think that's sort of the biggest thing that we've learned from this. And going back to the tournament thing for a second, in my 20s and 30s, that's all I cared about doing was mm-hmm. fishing. I knew I was never going to be Van Dam or Jacob Wheeler or Palinick, but I wanted to be out there competing every weekend. And I was either practicing for a tournament or fishing a tournament. And it didn't matter if you were fishing to catch seven pounds to win on a dog crap rainy day. I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. But then you wake up one day, or, or maybe you don't, and you say, I want to be on the best waters at the absolute best times. And that's when we kind of started going to Mexico and figuring that out, which actually was a 40th birthday present that Hannah gave me. And then opportunities kept opening up to try new types of fishing, saltwater fishing, going salmon fishing in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And The interesting thing to me about fishing is we all have a comfort zone. We have a silo that we live in, and maybe it's tournament fishing. Maybe it's finesse fishing. And you take people out of that, and they're resistant to enjoying it. Like, they're Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do that because I I identify as a topwater bass fisherman, power fisherman. And we've had so many people who – we have one couple from Tennessee who they had never been out of the country, and they joined us in Panama – and the and, reason they joined us in Panama is because I wrote it out day for day, exactly what we did from the start of the trip, getting my passport, what I needed, how we got there, what we're going to do, what van we're going to get in and detail to detail. And when I finally, we finally met them and we got in the van and they're like, yeah, well, th- we've never left the country. And we're like, this is your first, that's, you know, that, that <laughs> ourselves. Ballsy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we asked them why. And they said, because we read your articles and you told us exactly what it was going to be like. And we, it was almost like we already knew what was going to happen. And right. they're going to Pan, they've been to Panama with us twice. They've already booked a third trip, a Guatemala trip with us. And they're going to Alaska with us this summer. Like, and they're people we wouldn't have met otherwise, because like you said, you get back to the compound at the end of the night and you're eating fajitas and drinking Pacificos. And you're like, we may have nothing in common with these people. We may have everything in common with these people, but we never would have met them otherwise. And we bonded over this. And now they're some of our closest friends. Well, and that's fishing in general, right? I mean, yeah. Pete, look at, look at how varied our backgrounds are and, and the connections, you know, and, and just the networking opportunities in fishing. I, I can remember, Several years ago, I reached out to you on a, I knew it wasn't your forte, but as a legal guy, you were the 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 most legal minded fisherman I knew. So I reached out and I'm like, hey, I got a issue I want to talk to you about. And your answer was, I don't know anything, but I used to work for the head of the office or something to that effect. And this guy loves fishing. Right. And so you, you give me an email and I, I, it was, I don't want to say his name. I don't know if we're allowed to or whatever, but you plugged me into somebody to look at that. 
and come to find out the guy loves fishing. So he answered my questions. I sent him some baits. We're good. And, and that's fishing. And that's the part that excites me. And that's actually a, a big part of what excited me about the Anglers Channel opportunity is because we do everything from elite series coverage to, um, you know, the seven pound dogfight Deer Creek Bass Trail that I compete in. It all matters and it's all fishing, right? We're all in the same pond there. So that's really cool. Seeing it come full circle is great. Um, you hit on something that really resonated with me, and that is fishing different ways, doing different things. You kind of embrace an inner angler that way. Um, I've been to Alaska and fished for rainbows on fly rods, and that was that was a changing experience. Uh, I didn't do the halibut like you and Combs did because I get seasick. So I, I, didn't, I had to sit that one out. I hung out in Homer while the rest of the crew did that. But there's something, you know, they say there's the saying, the tug is the drug. And I think that's what you guys are chasing. And so like when you had you ever aspired to catch a sailfish or anything, or did that just kind of unfold through the network itself also? It's weird. I'm pretty sure the mailman or the plumber was a fisherman because my parents had <laughs> no Zero. interest in fishing whatsoever. And when I turned 50, they said, we want to take you on a trip. And I was like, okay, well, they're, they're like the most scholarly bookish museum oriented people you've ever met. <laughs> And they said, we want to take you on a trip. And I said, well, it's too bad we can't all go fishing together. They're like, no, we'll take you fishing. And I was like, well, this is good and it's bad because it could ruin our relationship. <laughs> they absolutely hate it and make us all miserable. But they're like, we'll go wherever you want to go. So I had heard about this place, Casa Vieja in Guatemala. And it's like the best sail fishing in the world. You know, five, five star service, Mercedes Sprinter vans, high quality food, high quality booze. And they went and I don't know that they had a good time. I, I know that we had a great time because we've been back three times since then. Um, but my parents still talk about it all the time. Like anytime my mom who my mom, her first fish was at 76 years old, was a sailfish. Any anytime we say like, hey, we're going on a fishing trip. She's like Casa Vieja, Casa Vieja. I was there. I was there. So like what? It, it was a weird sort of connection with my family at 50 years old. But mm -hmm. I never thought a sailfish would be my thing. And, and many of these things, El Salto, sailfishing, tuna popping, you think they're going to be one and done. And then you're like, man, I got to get back and do it a different way. It's kind of like bass fishing. Hannah went crappie fishing for the first time this weekend with Chad Morgan Taylor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she had never caught a crappie before. And on the second day there, she said, we want to go. I don't want to go bass but fishing. I want to go crappie fishing. I want to shoot docks with a little limber rod and a jig. Like <laughs> you, you don't realize what you like until you actually get it it. thrust upon you sure right i've caught small mouth i'll cut large mouth we caught spotted bass and everything but this was totally new we knew where they were it was they were hard to get to it was a new way of fishing and even even chad had a hard time getting it you know shooting right. them out. And, and we had a blast he was live scoping we were shooting we were yeah. trespassing to get because at, at some point we had we knew where the fish were we couldn't get to them so we trespassed and we <laughs> caught a bunch of fish and then the next thing is i'm like well if we're catching these fish and we're not releasing them he then taught us how to fillet them mm -hmm. it's everything is new to me like right. I, like you said from the beginning when i first met pete we met online uh -oh. his, his profile name was like fish boy or something and he lived <laughs> in vienna virginia well i didn't look that up because when he first shot me the email i'm like boy vienna where is that so i have family out here he was 20 minutes from the family so i thought okay he's he's probably normal um but then i'm like fishing like off a bridge with a bobber 
And he's like, oh, do you have a lot to learn? Well, that was dumb because now I go away on the trips he might want to be on. (laughs) And it's just, I have learned so much. And, you know, not just the fishing part, but the people part. Mm -hmm. The half pass, first cast, I call them our family. We talk about, you were talking about the people who, you know, um, feel like they're they're the best, you know, top water fishermen. We, well, we had one who was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we finally got him to go to Panama, top water fishing for um, tuna. Well, he's trying everything he can to come back because now he, that's, he thinks that's the bomb. So, mm-hmm. but he was reluctant to try it until we got him there. And now he's, you know, all he does is talk about it. Right. Oh, but it's the people, like, like I said, I love watching people go to places for the first time, but, but learning about them, because you know what, we do have a lot in common, Danny, mm-hmm. somehow, some way, well, first off, we're all people and we like to fish, but mm-hmm. all the other parts about it, it's fun to know, to really realize that we all kind of have something in common, depending, regardless of where we are and how we grew up. Right. Well, in a world where we seem to be focused on our differences, there there should be some common denominators, right? And you guys are finding them out there. And I think that's inspirational. Hannah, talk a little bit about what you've found as a female coming into our industry. Obviously, I wouldn't say it's, well, it is male dominated from a percentage standpoint. The the, the attorney in the room would say that, yes, that's a factual statement. But, I, I, it, but it, I feel like it's as a male, it seems fairly welcoming. I've seen there's women in our industry that have done very well in their positions and leadership and a variety of things. So I don't think we exclude, but what's it been like building a larger community of women uh, in your program? What What's kept them from being involved? Is it not having a female person such as yourself? Well, I think that's one because they don't. And I think that whole security um, mm-hmm. issue, uh, you know, money is an issue as well. I've heard, you know, a lot of people, but um, once, once you talk to them about the trip and they all, all these people, they, they've heard of all these places we've been to. Right. And the questions we've gotten, I've, I've really have received a lot of great feedback that once I've talked to them, shown them pictures, videos, just talking back and forth, it's, making them feel comfortable to be able to go on these trips. And some people will, you know, I might, they might have heard of me, you know, about four or five years ago. And they're like, I just, I want to do it now. I've now is if, it, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. I had last year, is it last year, May? I had a friend. She's was 88 years old, had her birthday down at El Salto. She turned 89. And she said, if she doesn't, if she didn't do it now, she may never get to do it. Right. So she was a blast, a blast. And and she told us all about her life and she was right on our level. And it was terrific. She's still going strong. She's still traveling. And she's probably going to be bringing her grandson down to El Salto because she talked it up so much. He, that's, she brings all her grandchildren on a trip uh, after they turn a certain age. And that's where he wants to go. Does she want to adopt? Is my <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I will say this about the women as, as a dedicated oh. and passionate observer of women in general, mm-hmm. that you, you look at the women on these trips and the guys go there and it's kind of, a genitalia measuring contest 
You know, the guys are worried about who caught the most fish, the biggest fish. The women usually outfish them because they listen better, first of all, mm-hmm. and because they don't care about it as much. You can see guys in El Salto after six days, they haven't caught a giant fish and they start to press and they press and they press. And the women, for the most part, just seem to stay relaxed. And that's the first thing I'll say about women. The second thing is I know a lot of people give me a hard time about my my wife outfishing me frequently, mm-hmm. but none of those people have wives who want to go on vacation with them to fishing resorts all the time. I mean, that's right. I, <laughs> granted we don't have kids but we have i haven't had to go to disney world i haven't had to go to paris i haven't had to go to paris yeah <laughs> I, I, we have occasionally gone on a non-fishing vacation but you, but i'm a very fortunate person that i have a wife who wants to go who can't wait to go to these places without me that and when we're going to be married 20 years next year and he said and i said let's go to greece and he's like well what do you want to do and i said well make sure there's parts there's fishing out there right Mm-hmm. And he's like, you want to do that? I'm like, uh, yes. So it was me who decided that that's part of the trip I wanted to take. Right. But- Pete, I, I'm in that category with you and it's rare, I think. Um, you know, I get that. I, I had somebody the other day we were talking because my wife and I, we fish tournaments together. We just fished one this past weekend. The weather was terrible. And, uh, you know, we had a great time together. But a guy said to me, he's like, dude, I, I can't imagine sharing uh, a boat all day with my wife. I couldn't do that. And my response was, was, dude, I couldn't promise half my shit in forever to someone I can't share a boat with for half, you know, for yeah. a day. Right. And so yeah. that perspective is unique. And, um, you know, we're in unique situations. I think that's part of why I wanted to get you guys on board is because the world needs to see that this is a, this is something you can do together. And you, and from that perspective, if you were a hardcore bass head and all you wanted to do was drag her up and down the lake and and, you know, that kind of thing then you may miss out on the connection of, of fishing together, right? But you're compromising as well. And you're finding things that interest her. It's still fishing, but they're different places, right? You're not forcing your tournament style. You're saying, well, let's focus on the fishing and do it as a couple and right. look at the places it's taken. And we did that. And and I think by the time that she and I started fishing tournaments together, I had lost the passion. She was just getting into it. And, mm-hmm. and to the extent there's any fault involved, it's my fault that we didn't pursue that further, but we were running out of time. We both have full-time jobs. Now we have a second full-time job. And, you know, I, I mean, I think the compromise is like, we went to Guatemala to go sail fishing a couple months ago. And on the front end, we went to the historic town of Antigua for two days. Mm-hmm. And we did the sightseeing and relaxation thing. That's something we never get to do. Cause yeah. I feel like, I feel like we're leaving for El Salto at five in the morning, fishing for six days, and then getting home at midnight and going to work the next day all the time. And just as we get older, I value more and more the slowing down when I can. Mm-hmm. And also even in Guatemala, I would have been happy if the other couple we went with, if they caught every fish. I don't, I, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm at the point in my life where if I don't catch another fish, I've been pretty lucky. And I'm going to catch a lot more fish. I promise you that. Okay. And a lot more different fish, but if, but if I, like if, the reason I'm going to El Salto at this point is not for bass fishing. I've caught a lot of bass in my life. I've, I've fished with Van Dam. I've fished with Skeet. You know, I've, I've seen the best of the best. But like, I go back to, and as a confirmed introvert, it hurts me to say this, but I go back to spend time with people and mm-hmm. to socialize and to just have that sort of downtime and learning time, and that means something to me. Yeah, I mean, what what I know when he's relaxed, when at about eight forty five, he says, "Hey, Chichi, what time is it?" <laughs> you're 30 right. so you know then i know he's relaxed well you, you know pete you hit on something there i think we've done a, the genuine the genuineness of you guys and the passions already come through and what we've talked about here today anybody that's listened can hear that 
you come from a genuine spot and you bring knowledge to the travel world and the fishing side. You hit on fishing with Van Dam and some of that stuff. For people who may not know, um, like I said, we have audiences that maybe don't follow bass as much. Tell us a little bit about your background with Bass Masters and I want to pick your brain a little bit about what went down last week over on Lake Murray. Um, sure. we, uh, we don't have, we don't have an angler. Very, <laughs> the very abbreviated <laughs> version of my writing career was okay. that I started writing for a friend's website around 2001. It just kept growing and growing. And I realized I liked, you know, I, I was a kid who couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. I couldn't draw. So I was always thought I'm a lawyer. I'm not artistic, but I realized I like being creative and that, that manifested itself in writing. And just the more I write, wrote, like you said, you meet more people. And I had some opportunities with Bass and about, a little over a decade ago, they made me a senior writer, and I've been to every classic with them since 2010. And they just give me such great opportunities to write about this stuff and to have a front row. I mean, I've been there when Kevin Van Dam caught the winning fish at a classic. I've been the person closest to him. I've, mm-hmm. you know, been in the boat with Skeet at a classic. I've, I've done so. I, I, I hate to say it because it sounds like bragging, but I'm really just grateful for the whole thing that if I was involved in any other sport, I wouldn't I, I would never get to be on the court with LeBron or in the golf mm-hmm. cart with Tiger Woods. But like I've had I can call up anyone in the sport. And if I was Pete, the bass club guy, maybe I couldn't do that. But I've had that access. And I, I just don't know what to say when something you love so much, you get to have a front row seat. And then on top of that, to exercise your sense of creativity and write about it. And bass gives me a lot of opportunities to do that. That's awesome. That's an awesome shout out to them. And I think that's where we're kindred spirits. I mean, that's. I've been on the other side, but behind the curtains and the access there, there's something special about that. If, if the, the sport, if you've got the, the, the real passion for the sport and you get the access, you seem to look past a lot of other things to make it happen. Lord knows I have. And, uh, but the access is valuable and I love it too. So, uh, with that said, you had some pretty good access to Lake Murray. I read your piece kind of recapping things. Uh, we haven't got a chance to talk to the to Drew yet about winning that. We try to get the winners here on Angler's Channel, but obviously they're tied up at Santee. What couple things really jumped out at you there? I think the thing that really resonated with me is how incredibly good these guys are. And we hear it all the time from the weekend guys. You know, if I just had the money and I had the time off from work, I could go do it. And until you've been until you've been in the boat with these guys with a Keith Combs cranking or a Van Dam Van Dam flipping. Flips better than any guy in your bass club, I guarantee you. No one thinks of him as a flipper um, or going smallmouth fishing with Zona. Like, you don't realize how good these guys are. And a lot of times we see them being good at one thing, flipping, or it's a cranking derby, or it's an offshore drop shotting derby for smallmouth. In this one, there were so many guys doing different things. There was John Cox just kind of going shallow and doing his thing. There were guys that, there's a big one. <laughs> yeah, there's a big one. Oh, I'll just laugh. and like yeah. Amazing. I got to say, I don't really know John well. I've interviewed him a couple times, but he reminds me of Steve Kennedy in that he's just, <laughs> he's dead serious, but he's happy to be there and like enjoying every minute of it. And I, I understand it's a business. I understand it's competitive, but it almost, it bothers me to see guys who like, they're angry that they have to be there at the tournament. And in this tournament, you saw guys, you know, seeing Hunter Shryock fish with a chopo up shallow. If you're a bass fisherman, you don't get excited by that. You're a lunatic dude and see, the one he lost behind the bar the one he fought behind the boat dock that was epic yeah he had two that he caught that wrapped him up and mm-hmm. one that he didn't and i i just I, I quoted the line where he said you know my butt cheek i wedged it under the graph and it was holding me in the boat and yeah. like 
you say it's not a contact sport, but these guys, uh, and I hate to get into the semantics of, is it a sport? Are they athletes? But mm-hmm. they're doing something at such an incredibly high level. And, you know, I've been to Toledo Bend before, or I haven't been to Murray. So I'm using Toledo as the example. You put me down on Toledo Bend, give me two and a half days to figure it out. I'm lucky if I don't destroy my boat, knock my lower unit off and somehow manage to find a few fish. Like right. these guys break down new waters so quickly. It, it it's amazing to me. And, you know, I was a guy who was worried when the split happened a few years ago mm-hmm. because I, I just I didn't think it was good for the sport. It might be good for individual guys careers on both sides. But this new crop that has come in, they're so incredibly good. You know, the, the Patrick Walters, the Drew Cooks, the Drew Benton, who was sort of a little more established at that time. Uh, on the other side, that obviously the Wheelers and the Jordan Lees. These young anglers, there was a time when you could be Denny Brower and you could flip a jig or you could be David Fritz and you can crank and you can't do that anymore. These guys come and they do everything so incredibly well. It's it's really and Murray was the the height of that people doing things at the best. It was Aaron Judge hitting a 100 mile an hour fastball 500 feet. Right. What what are we going to see? Uh, you talk about the young talent that's coming in and, and the opportunities have been created by the split. I agree with that a thousand percent. I think we're also seeing a testament to how strong the bass brand is because they're, they're creating new household names very, very quickly. Um, obviously, those guys got to catch them to do it, but the, the platform is strong. The thing that keeps catching my attention, and I don't want to butcher all the names, but we'll just call it the international contingent. And watching Fujita the day that, that he led and his techniques compared to what everybody else was doing, um, don't you think they're going to become a bigger presence in what we do in terms of the skill set that they're bringing and the focus? I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, going back to the classic, it was fantastic that we had an international winner this year. I mean, mm-hmm. Gussie, perhaps the nicest guy to ever fish in the history of the sport out there. And then you see these Japanese guys. And I was thinking about it. We had sort of this, I don't know if it's sort of a soft bigotry of saying these Japanese guys have sort of this mystical finesse ability. Because when you think about a lot of the Japanese anglers, Takahiro was not a finesse fisherman. Morizo was not really a finesse fisherman. You know, there, there's a mix there. And there, there are guys, obviously, who've come over like Fujita and been great. And there are guys like Daisuke Aoki or Ken Ayobi who, for whatever reason, haven't panned out. So I think because of the language barrier, we still have problems figuring out what the Japanese scene is all, all about. I think I've written probably 100 times, well, their lakes are super pressured, so they have mm-hmm. to come up with these amazing finesse techniques. I, I guess that's true, but it's sort of accepted wisdom. And I don't think anyone on our side of the pond has really done the deep dive into what Japanese fishing culture is like. I agree that we don't understand the culture. Zona said something on live that really resonated with me this past week. I think it was him. It was it was a banter between him and someone, I believe. But they were talking about, look, when you pack up and you head to the other side of the country, you're going to do one thing. Right. And you guys can relate to that at half past first class. When you when you go to do the tuna trip or the whatever you're doing, you're there for that. You're not worried about and I know you're worried about rooster at home and if he's behaving. But as far as taking care of the pets or, hey, I can't practice till what you know, you don't have those responsibilities. So he hit on the fact that they come here for one thing and they're disciplined and that's all they do. And that makes a big difference because, you know, in the case of these guys, I, I would assume at some level, the sponsor obligations aren't quite as high um, because of the language barrier and some of the things going on. So they are focused pretty much on fishing day in and day out. And that's got to make a difference. Yeah, I think, you know, and you see, I think that's uh, complementary to what the young guys do, too. You mm-hmm. see the guys, the Drew Cooks and all of them, 
Patrick Walters, they fish every day. If you fish every day and you already have that basic talent level and that drive, you're going to get better. And the Japanese anglers who've done well over here are in that Takahiro mold where you you build a swimming pool not to swim in, but to test crankbaits in and to be meticulous about things. And you put that type of type of effort into things. it, It obviously is a natural propellant towards being great. No doubt. No doubt. Well, we're definitely seeing the cream rise at the top on that. we got another big event coming up this weekend. Obviously, they're going to probably crush them again. Um, looking forward to seeing that. Which trip do you guys have coming up? We don't want to keep you much longer. Which trip coming up are you most excited about this year? Is it is it bass fishing or is it something else? Well, it's bat- bass fishing. We haven't been there in a year, so our family misses us and we miss them. <laughs> uh but we're going to Alaska and we're taking four individuals who have never fly fished before. And I can't wait to watch them, video them, laugh with them, fish Mm -hmm. with them. We are going to have a blast. Where are you going? We're going to fish in Bristol Bay area. Some of the rivers up in there, Katmai national park area. Okay. Gotcha. That'll be fun. Oh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to uh, Homer and Seward first. Okay. We've put together a itinerary and then we fly into King Salmon and we fish for what? Four and a half, about four and a half days. And uh, we're going to bring home lots of salmon. Mm, and probably some halibut will get shipped back too. Some, right? Yep. We have to fly home some halibut. That's cool. I, you know, she said we haven't been to El Salto in a year, which mm-hmm. is the longest we've gone without going in like 10, 12 years. And I'm really starting to feel it. And I was thinking about it. We're also a year away from the next trip to Panama, which has become the topwater tuna thing. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, you remember when you fished tournaments early in your life and you knew you were on the winning fish and you're driving down the lake at 65 miles an hour in the morning, like that rush of adrenaline. That's how I feel. <laughs> is this every before moment. or after everything blows up in your face? This is before, yeah. right? The, that, the pre that, blow up in my face feeling running down the lake. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> the one where your hair stands up. That's how I feel every moment in Panama. I told her after the first time I said, honestly, if I could fish for tuna 30 days a year, I would sell my bass boat tomorrow. Now I'm not sure that I meant that. But, but, <laughs> no, I mean, in between that, we bought a new one. We so. bought a new one. So, um, so I did technically sell a bass boat, that, <laughs> but that's that's I to buy another one, but there's the lawyer I, for a guy who thought he was a bass purist for so many years. I don't know that I could live without the variety now and having a new place to go to at some point in the future is what really gets me up in the morning. Gotcha. Uh, when are you going to get a bass trip to Cuba? I feel like years ago we talked about it and there's some secret bass fishing stuff somewhere in Cuba that may or may so, not. Uh, years ago, Billy Chapman from Angler's Inn called me and said, Pete, we need to build a lodge in Cuba. Do the research. <laughs> and, and That's like, what I remember. I like, like a week of hard research. And then he said, yeah, that's not going to work. So like, I learned kind of be careful with what you, what you do. Right. But I think he would be there if the opportunity was there. Um, the bass is there though, right? It's all the other geopolitical the, stuff. The It's not just political, but that everyone who's there fishes for subsistence. Ah, so, so if they can eat 12 pound bass, it, it goes in the, goes in the cooler or in the frying pan. Yeah. They've all, right. they've all fished them. Um, I, I, you know, David and I actually met for the first time. David, your producer, mm-hmm. met for the first time in Traverse City, Michigan, fishing up there for smallmouths. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm excited about the smallmouth thing. I had never caught a five pound or bigger smallmouth until that trip. Someone okay. named Hannah had caught several of them when we went to Escanaba. <laughs> um, 
But I want to get more into that. I mean, the one thing Tuna has really taught me an appreciation for is spinning tackle. Mm-hmm. Like I was sort of a bubified bass angler and I want to get up and fight big smallmouths like a Fujita did. In his case, it was large mouths, but you know, let them run and not be nervous and trust my tackle. Yeah. I noticed a couple of me set the hook and immediately was on the trolling motor chasing them. Yeah. That, that's very foreign to me. <laughs> so, yeah. That's really foreign to me. <laughs> I just pull them on in. I'm a river guy. So, well, guys, that's great. I know you guys have busy schedules. You've been awesome with your time. I want to welcome you on behalf of all the Anglers channel and all our readers and audience. Uh, welcome on board. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to work together again. And, um, you know, I personally am very excited. Uh, appreciate y'all reaching out and helping make all this possible. And I look forward to teaching people about other ways to fish and good ways to do it uh, and great places to do it, I guess, for that matter. We appreciate all your time and talking to us. And please en- encourage yeah. your readers, your listeners. Hit us up at www.halfpastfirstcast. Email Hannah at fishmore at halfpastfirstcast.com to get on the books for a trip. Danny, we're expecting you and Holly to come back sooner rather than later. I promise you that this was part of a plan. That's all <laughs> I can say today. And your plans pan out, so that's good. <laughs> they Sometimes they take longer than we expect, but well, it's all okay. part of the plan. So, yeah, I, I, you know, we work with striking here and you guys happen to have the best place in the world to go crank a 10 XD and a six XD. I can't do that where I'm at. So, I mean, in the name of content, I think I've got to get back down there with you on one of these summertime trips. And by the way, David, you're invited too. There you go. <laughs> it's on the bucket list. My, go. bucket list is, I mean, my bucket list is probably a lot longer than your guys is because you guys have been checking them off, but you know. <laughs> I don't know. Every time I, every time I check one off, I add two put, more. Yeah, put a couple more in. Well, is there any place else that you guys wanted to go to? Because I know I don't know what other species you guys may be targeting that's still on the bucket list. For me, it's GTs in the South Pacific. I want to go catch big giant trevally and rassies and dogfish tuna on big poppers. I mean, the one thing that I I personally carried over from bass fishing is the love of topwater fishing in particular. That's why I like Brazil for peacocks. That's why I like the tunas with the big poppers. Anything I can do, anytime I get to be on top is a good day. We also want to go to what is it, Venezuela for Golden Dorado? No, Argentina. Argentina for Golden Dorado. So, got to write a lot of articles to pay for it. Understand. (laughs) Well, we'll help you get them out there. And uh, I want to encourage everybody too. You know, I think for some folks, this might be a little different for content platforms to point to each other. But um, if you didn't pick up on it yet by listening to these folks today, guys, um, Pete and Hannah are great folks with great information. And, you know, I'll give them a shout out as well. It's halfpastfirstcast.com and uh, you can find their stuff over here on Angler's channel and we look forward to bringing you more of it. So with that said, let's wrap it up. Thanks guys. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. David, there you go. Definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, having both Hannah and Pete uh, as part of the Angler's channel family here. I definitely, it's the half past first cast blog. I read it every morning. So mm-hmm. very informative to me. It's one of the things I do in the morning when I first get up is try to read that blog. So, well, I don't know if it's a blog, it's, it's articles. I, I could be wrong with how I, I categorize that, but yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah, I agree. And you know, they get to do fun stuff. I like to travel vicariously with them. I don't get to go there all the time, um, but I like to read the stuff and I know that they got quality pieces of information out there. You know, when I was putting together, Today's post, I put some stuff on there about the, the um, guide to El Salto and Picachos. 
and everything you can think of. Is it safe? What do I wear? What do I take? Should I take my own rods? Should I pack my own tackle? Like there are topics there for pretty much every question a person would have about traveling internationally. And as you heard on the show, they're great folks that want to help. So uh, I hope everybody uses them as a resource. And I look forward to hearing about some of these trips. And I guess now we know what we need to be working on John for. Uh, David and Danny <laughs> need a content trip to El Salto. All expenses paid. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. Or even at 50 off, we might still go. I, I, dude, I've been there before. At 50 off, I'm in. If we can just get John to pick up half of mine in all years, I, I, I'll go. Yeah, but definitely check out halfpassfirstcast.com for all that. Uh, or any EnglishChannel.com website as well for all Absolutely. of Pete and Hannah's content. So, But with that, it's time for me and Danny to retie. So hold on tight, and we'll be right back after a short break. Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop, convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment for the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. (laughs) I think I always tie one on. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visit lakehartwell.com. Welcome to this segment of the show brought to you by Humminbird, the innovator behind such technology as Mega360 and Mega Live. Save up to $1,000 when you bundle any qualifying Helix units with a Mega Live transducer. Take advantage of that technology by using the One Boat Network app to help you unlock the lake. So check out the Humminbird website to find out more. Humminbird, simply, clearly better. All right, so first up, we've got some of the events that took place over this past weekend here, as always. Uh, first event I've got up is the Texas Team Trail event. Those guys were out on Ray Roberts, and winning that event was a team of Cody Morrison and Zach Parker with 2701. The Best Bass Tournament SoCal region was on Castaic Lake this past weekend, and with uh, two fish that weighed 2 pounds or 2.76 pounds, Chris Arnold and Justin Grant took the win there. It seemed like the fishing on Castaic was a bit tougher than usual. Uh, switching up, going to Arkansas, the MLF BFL Arky Division was on Hamilton Lake, or Lake Hamilton, excuse me, and winning that with 15 pounds and 9 ounces was Bryce Boatwright. Going to Texas, the Bass, Chaff, the Bass Champs South Division fished Lake Amistad, and winning that with 21-18 was Kyle Keller and Josh Spencer. 
And then the last event I've got here was the uh, almost a slugfest. I don't know, it seemed like it was pretty good. Was the Bassmaster Elite Series on Murray, and the day two leader, uh, yeah, the day two leader of that event ended up winning, and that was Drew Benton winning it with eighty seven pounds. Uh, I, I don't know if you caught any of the action there um, at all, Danny. I did. Yeah, I did. And man, I was jealous. Uh, I was I looked over my notebook and I kept hearing I couldn't remember what the term was, but somebody kept saying Bass Narnia, like it was the promised land and, and the number <laughs> of fish that they were seeing. It, man, it was just phenomenal. And uh, it seemed like whatever you were good at, there was a there was a group of fish out there that you could go and exploit and do it, you know, and man, I feel like when we talked to Anthony, I think those weights were a lot bigger than what he expected, wasn't it? When we talked to him just a week or so ago. Yeah, I think it was still close. I think that even like I think I think he thought maybe about twenty or so pounds a day would be the ballpark to take it. Because even uh, I've totally failed on like fantasy fishing, so I forgot to do that. But I figured it'd be about like yeah, like the low to mid twenties. So he it was pretty close to it. But you know, uh, I know it was still still a few weeks after uh, that event that the BPT guys were on. So um, which. I'm not sure if it, if it would have been up to what Anthony would have thought exactly, but I know he did think it was close to that number, though. Okay. I just, I was just shocked to think about tour level event, roll through at peak time. You know, you've that, you know, all the footage I've watched, the place is surrounded by houses and fishermen. So you got major event, you got local events, you got local fishing pressure, then you've got the elite series roll into town. They practice, mm -hmm. they fish four days. And man, the weights on the final day. It wasn't like uh, they ran out of fish, right? And Drew was talking about how many fish were still pulling up. So, man, that's just got to be a giant bass factory, and I'm I'm definitely jealous of that one. Yeah, I, I it's been a quite a while, I guess, since the uh, the elites have been there uh, at, at that level. But um, but yeah, it seems like Murray. I, I never been on Murray. I know that every lake has its ups and downs, but it seems like everyone's had nothing but really great stuff to say with how the fishing was on Murray. So, um, but like you said, a lot of guys were catching him uh, pretty much. I guess you could say a lot of patterns are still pretty much almost the same as it was when BPT was there a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, uh, what was it here? But I know Anthony totally pretty much relied on a, a drop shot pattern fishing deeper water. But uh, whereas it looks like, I know Drew Benton looks like he had a drop shot as part of his arsenal, but a lot, a lot of guys uh, power fishing this particular event. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to get up there and look at them and cover water. And um, yeah, I watched a lot of it and it looked like a lot of fun, everything from top water to docks to out on the clay points doing the herring deal. So definitely jealous of those guys. And, you know, I haven't been to Murray myself. I've got an opportunity to go down there at the end of May. I'm uh, going to be working with the, the college championship down there uh, and our good friends at Green Pond Landing. So that'll be my first taste of, of everything they have to offer down there. But I've heard nothing good. Everything I've heard about Green Pond and all that, it's just a phenomenal facility. So I look forward to going down there and doing an event with those guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's with, the, with our friends over at Visit Anderson, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, one of the, I guess, you know, with Green Pond Landing, one of the premier, uh, what was it? boat landing whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it facilities because uh, i know i definitely saw it for the first time since it's, it's revamped last year at the classic there and uh you know a lot of, a lot of stuff up, up in my neck of the woods isn't as glamorous as that but i was really shocked at how uh nice everything was the, the setup and everything was even from yeah last year compared to the last time the classic was there too so definitely uh state-of-the-art uh high-end uh facility there at green pond landing 
Yeah, well, they make it good for tournament directors. You know, I'm starting to look over tournament plans and tournament site maps for that collegiate championship. And I mean, everything is kind of built into the facility already. You know, there's a place for your weigh-in stage, your tournament trailer, yep. you've got an outdoor amphitheater, like, you know, Visit Anderson is serious about bass fishing and bringing folks to town and, and they see what they've got there as a resource. And I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, the more communities that could model something like that, the better we'd all be uh, as fishermen. Uh, but obviously it's an expensive project, but hopefully it pays dividends for them. The fisheries cooperating, right? It's yeah, not one yeah. thing to have good facilities. It's another thing to have good facilities and good fishing and, uh, you know, props to them. It seems like they've got it all going on. Yeah. Besides that, since you're the guy who's doing some of the talking, uh, I know that uh, last week when we were talking, you mentioned, uh, I don't know if it's your first big tournament of the year, but you had a tournament this past weekend. Am I correct? I did. I did. And I don't know if we'd call them big. You know, we were talking to, <laughs> we talked to big tournament anglers, right? But um, it's kind of like Bass is saying, every catch is big. And and it was big to us. It was our first home tournament for uh, a little trail that we fished, Deer Creek Bass Trail. And uh, good turnout. Got to see a lot of guys for the first time this year. Uh, we was fishing the Ohio River and, you know, it went pretty well. Uh, we had been catching some really good quality in practice for, for the river. And I mean, they would have been good fish anywhere. Uh, unfortunately, during the event, we only wrangled one. It was uh, like four and a quarter. Oh, okay. And then, of course, well, we filled out our limit with, you know, some other good quality, what, pound and a half keepers or whatever, uh, 14 inches, which for a river system, a, a fat 14 inches uh, is fine. I still call them runts, but one good one, four runts, 1065, and good enough for third place. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Couple, yeah. So we had a couple of young guys. Congratulations to them. I didn't catch, I don't have all their details, but one is still fishing in high school and one had just graduated okay and they made a long run and they caught a i'm wanting to say like 1389 oh, and they wow. didn't weigh a bit, yeah they didn't weigh a big fish so for uh you know for a river bag to have 1389 and no big fish that's that's a heck of a river bag and to see young men do it i think that's cool that's that kind of goes to the testament of you know what the high school fishing stuff is doing <laughs> and then um the winners they had a, the same kind of bag, but they had a five pounder to go with it. Okay. So they had they had 14 and some change. And those were two guys that we fish against year in, year out. Great dudes, had a great tournament. And uh, every got, you know, everybody got paid and, and we got to do the camaraderie thing and give everybody a hard time back and forth and felt good to do it all again, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the spring and the opportunity to do that for a few more months anyways. No, about you? is it happening up your way yet? Everything I see shows shows the mighty Mississippi's flooded up your way. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, what was it? I know that uh, on the Anglo Channel website, we got a uh, a press release about the um, the uh, BFLs out on, on the lacrosse being postponed mm -hmm. because of the high water. But uh, yeah, for those that don't know, a lot a lot of the stuff, especially on the Mississippi River side, uh, gets dictated a lot. Well, the the way how the water levels and all that stuff gets dictated but what happens in minnesota because that's where the headwaters is uh starts up somewhere in minnesota in there right and obviously it, it creeps down so um what was it here so i know that we've been getting for a while like uh, during like during the classic i remember uh what was it we got hit, like i'm on the opposite side of the state but uh even then we got hit with a a pretty good snowstorm i think i, I think at least by my neck of the woods it was like eight to ten inches or something like that so uh obviously that same system got you know hit you know minnesota minnesota side that western side of wisconsin too but uh but one joke i always make because my wife always teases me about trying to move to minnesota is i'm like yeah no i already have enough uh winter 
enough snow where uh, on my side of the state here. I don't want to have it uh, be extended through June because uh, sometimes I've seen it where friends I know that live in the Twin Cities area, they'll be posting stuff and it'll be snowing and they'll get like a you know good couple of inches in like June. And it's not that it's a normal thing, but it's something that can happen living <laughs> in that area. So, um, but yeah, so a lot obviously once that snow starts to melt and the rain, all that stuff, obviously that that uh, gets dumped into the river. And so, uh, but yeah, the rivers are. Um, especially on that side or, or what was it definitely flooded we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes into um because wh- in wisconsin here it, right now it's uh was it catch and release so the the you can't so we can't any any tournament right now that happens in the state of wisconsin is uh it only be i guess you could say uh, uh what was it more you can't do the catch and keep and weigh type of a deal right um, so, uh, so have you guys seen some clubs up there adopt like an MFL MLF style format where they're still uh, doing, doing tournaments or you just fish for fun until season opens in Wisconsin? I don't know of any personally, but cause I know a lot of the bigger ones that I'm aware of still do your traditional five fish or, you know, you, your catch, catch, uh, catch weigh and release type of a deal. So, right. uh, so I'm not saying there aren't any, but at least I'm not aware of, but for the kayak guys that then, uh, because they don't really keep anything besides when they uh, bring them up and just take their photos of them. So right. it helps those guys uh, in terms of keeping the, like, starting their season off earlier than uh, the traditional uh, bass boat guys do. But, uh, but yeah, uh, what was it here? Uh, it, it should, and I don't know because I know there was a tournament that I think was supposed to be this weekend or this past weekend. I know it's it's one of those that's coming up here, but uh, obviously once this, this the early part of the season is always kind of tricky when, especially on the, on that Mississippi River, uh, some of the smaller rivers by where I live here too. Something like that that does uh, that can be affected with uh, that can affect the water levels, but definitely not to nothing to the extreme that you see in uh, the Mississippi River. Because I remember one year even. One time, one time making a trip to the lacrosse area, and this is right around Memorial Day. Um, but because of the snow um, and the rains during the spring and everything like that, the water level, even though it was again uh, right before the right before the at the end of May, more or less, uh, the water uh, current was pretty horrendous. And um, what was it? there's a spillway that for 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 those that watch the Elite Series, where um, some people may recognize recognize it from when. Um, uh, I think Atifo was fishing it the year that he won back in I think 2018 or mm-hmm. whatever year Adrian, he won it. Ad- Adrian Avina had a big bag up there. Several yeah. people did. We're talking Black the upper end of the Black River, right? Yep, yep. And, uh, no, uh, no, not the Black River. That's that's. Is it the Black River? But like on Alaska Spillway. So basically, yep. yeah, yeah. So from that's from the, there, the head of the Black. That's one of the yep. few places I know up there because I spent some time up there dragging a tube <laughs> around it in the Bass Nation. So. Uh, yeah, I know right where you're at. I, I yeah. imagine it was a gusher coming over that thing, and yeah, it, it was it was to the point where you could probably, you know, you probably could have just, it, you could barely see the top of the uh, the uh, what was it, the spillway. I mean, you could see where it kind of created that, you know, uh, so, where you, yeah, but you you could if you didn't know anybody, if you would have went full throttle, you probably would have just probably could have even made it to the other side of Lake uh, to the bottom side of Lake Alaska from pool eight. So that's what I was going to say. That's a Keith Poche move. He could have been on, on Alaska and skip the lock. Right. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, so, uh, but you know, hopefully things will start picking up here. I mean, I, uh, we got hit with some weather lately, so, uh, but we'll see how things go here, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
you know, in the world of tournaments, something you posted the other day, and, and I got to give you a shout out, man. The, the longer we work together, you are the first in all things posting <laughs> and all things news. There's stuff that I see it from you before I see it from the other people because you're faster <laughs> than my email refreshes. But with that said, you posted a Strike King virtual tournament this yep. week. And I think the details are a little scarce, but I'm gonna, I've been doing some digging and looking. And the, the gist of it is, is we're going to have an opportunity for Strike King customers and fans to have a, a tournament, no matter if they're up on the upper end of pool eight, like a guy in your neck of the woods, or yep. they're down here on the Canelton pool of the Ohio River, or all the way down on the St. John's, we're all going to be able to compete in something. And, and I'm kind of excited about that. I'm not so excited about competing against the guy on the St. John's River, uh, but I, I like the idea. I'm looking forward into digging into that more. I did a quick tour of the website that is hosting the event, and it's pretty clear to me that virtual format, uh, some kind of moniker or marker that they take a photo of with the fish to verify length. Sounds like there's going to be lots of cool prizes. So I uh, look forward to digging into that coming up and maybe even being a participant myself. So we'll, we'll have to see how it works. but. Since uh, you're bound by weather and I'm bound by where I live in terms of fish, maybe we'll just have a personal one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we'll play in the big tournament, but we'll, you and I will compete for bragging rights in the Strike King virtual tournament this year. We'll see. Uh, I, don't know. I tell people, if I catch a four-pounder every year, that's a pretty good year for me. I mean, I say okay. whatever, but, but if I catch at least one four-pounder, I can at least say I caught a good fish. So, obviously, anything yeah. bigger than that. And, and my neck of woods, again, I don't I don't consider, once I step outside of the upper Midwest, then it's a different story. But, right. uh, but yeah. You guys, have, you guys definitely have the quantity. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I've been impressed with the quality myself based on where I'm from. But I know some of the Southern guys... You guys just don't grow them big enough up there. But that's the cool thing about a virtual tournament is it's, you know, anybody can do it whenever it works for them. We could knock out a podcast and go try it one evening or, <laughs> uh, you know, do a little fishing before we log on each day. So I think it's a cool concept. I look forward to checking it out more for our friends at Strike King. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll have you'll have news and more details posted as soon as they as soon as they hit the industry. So yep. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. Yeah, for that, I think that the information, if you, if for those that want to know, that's the uh, Fishing Chaos digital platform. Uh, and it'll be like, like uh, Danny said, digital online tournaments. Uh, once I get more information, I'll get some of that stuff uh, posted up because uh, they'll, they'll have four events coming up and uh, they'll be a month long. So it gives people plenty of time. So, uh, yeah, if you got nothing better to do after work and you got a few hours to kill, uh, definitely uh, be a nice way to just uh, hopefully win some awesome prizes while doing something that you love. So uh, any more? Yeah, for me, for for those that want information on that, just check out the EnglishChannel.com uh, website to uh, for any more news about that. Or if not, uh, the website here that I have listed is... Uh, app so app.fishingchaos.com slash club slash mock nation mock nation is spelled m-a-c-h n-a-t-i-o-n so check that website out or if not just uh, tune into the englishhandle.com website and uh, hopefully get some more of the information as we receive it yep i think that's a cool deal and i bet we see more of that as we move forward you know and we're starting to see for we're starting to see tournament stuff take on different formats and uh you know our friends over at the uh big bass tour are hosting a uh, Humminbird Mincona owners tournament coming up. I think that's cool. That's a first of yep. its kind for those guys at Johnson Outdoors. And obviously they've partnered with a good tournament trail that knows how to do big events. So that's something the Angers channel will be at in early June. Um, we've got Strike King doing virtual tournaments. We got uh, these different things going on. It's it's going to be a good year. I'm excited. Yep. yep. And that's Strike King. I'm sorry. The uh, 
uh, Johnson Outdoors, that event will be, I think it's in the beginning of June on mm-hmm. Pickwick Lake. So definitely it'll be an interesting time on Pickwick Lake there. But since you brought up uh, future upcoming events here, I guess I'll go over the uh, tournaments for this upcoming weekend. Uh, it's definitely there's going to be more on the EnglishChannel.com website. But some of the ones I want to highlight this week are the is the uh, first one up is the ABT South Division will be on Lake Eufaula. Uh, the MLF BFL Music City Division, those anglers will be out on Center Hill Lake. The Wild West Bass Trail Pacific Northwest Teams Division will be on Banks Lake. Uh, again, trying to hopefully give some of the kayak guys some love here. The Hobie Bass Opens, they'll be fishing Lake Seminole. And then last event I've got for the week here is the Fishers of Men National Team Trail the Illinois Central Team Division, those anglers will be out on Clinton Lake. Again, uh, if you don't hear your tournament or if you don't see your tournament on our calendar, make sure you shoot me an email with the coming calendar. Or if you've already started working on your summer stuff uh, or fall, uh, 2023 fall stuff, shoot them over to me at dshong at anglerchannel.com. And then uh, since uh, we talked about some of the news earlier with the uh, the striking and fishing chaos online tournament there, it's just a few more uh, news and notes for, for this coming week. Here we've got uh, first one up. It was also kind of a results related thing. But the for those that didn't know, the uh, National Professional Fishing League, those anglers were fishing out on Bright Patman Lake. And the original winner or the initial winner was Baron Adams, but he got DQ'd. Uh, on that lake because of the fact or for that event because of the fact that he can produce um, a fishing license so it's not that he didn't try mm. to buy one but because of the fact that he uh, couldn't produce verification that he did have a uh, legit fishing license and it looked like it was a situation of i don't know if it was poor internet service or what but uh i guess that uh the purchasing process the online purchasing process didn't go through so he was not able to produce a valid license during that so that was the reason for that disqualification there so unfortunately for baron adams that's kind of a hard way to learn that particular lesson but uh so he ended up losing that uh that oh he got dq for that so that went so that event went down to ryan satterfield for so he ended up being the winner for that event there um next what one crazy, um, I, I gotta interrupt yeah. on that one man I yeah, mean, go ahead. What, what a crazy deal right i mean yeah. nfpl's doing their thing they're getting their own league up and running i know what that task is it's monumental and you get a guy that wins and then you've got to deal with that from an organizational yeah. level what a mess yeah um no fault of their own. I mean, I, I dug into it a little bit because I'm I'm kind of a rules junkie and, a, and an org junkie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was clear that you had to have a valid fishing license, which is a no brainer. We all know that you got to have that. And it, it, at, at the microscopic level, it's like you said, it looks like he purchased, started the process of purchasing a license and either a connection failed, something didn't go through. Uh, you know, they even went so far, the league spoke highly of the angler. So there mm-hmm. was no, there was no shady business on that regard. And, and it, he made a valid attempt to do it. It just didn't, d- didn't process. And so yep. they had to uphold their rule. And I know there was some guys complaining the results were delayed and all that, but I mean, they had a big backlash to pick out of that deal. Yeah, And I feel terrible for the guy that, that uh, won, but it won't go down on, the history books is a win. It's like he wasn't even there, I guess, when it's all said yeah. and done. And yeah, man, that'd be a tough deal. Uh, I saw some people throwing some shade at the organization saying they should do that stuff on the front side. I don't know what the logistics or what those keyboard warriors are thinking. 
that process looks like, but it was clear in the rules and just a random, random bad deal for that guy. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, man. I couldn't imagine. I'd be sick. I'd, I'd still be sick today. I can promise you that. It's hard to win. And yeah. At that level, I'm sure, man, it had to be important. And for that to happen, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you know, especially when you're fishing uh, at that particular level, that he would be someone that would try to do anything like that. Not that, again, not that we've seen anglers uh, at the Elite Series or FOW Tour or stuff like that that have done um, some pretty shady stuff. We'll, we'll call it yeah. questionable. <laughs> right. So uh, just because, you know, so I'm not saying that he wouldn't have done it, but uh, something as simple as a fishing license, which, um, you know, uh, we've seen some people do, uh, I guess, something for even lesser. A lesser type of a situation but um mm-hmm. but yeah so I, yeah i don't think it was something that's malicious but it does suck because you know besides the win and the money but you know just the actual work three days of of hard fishing just to end up losing over one something something as small as it as, as not having a valid fishing license even though you thought you completed everything but yeah did all the hard stuff well and the easy stuff got missed right yeah, i guess yeah. we're all guilty of doing that occasionally in life but yeah boy that, that would be a tough stub toe to get over yeah but yeah, sorry. I just that no. I feel like the fishing industry was caught up in that one, and that one was kind of mind blowing to me. I was trying to think of a, a a parallel that I could think of in recent history since I've been a bass junkie, and and nothing really nothing really jumped out at me. I feel like that one's kind of out there on its own. Yeah, yeah, it sucks, but but you know, again, hopefully he'll be able to rebound back, and hopefully uh, at least get him at the next event there for the NPFL. Yeah, I mean that's the only positive you can take from it, right? He showed yep. himself, his sponsors, his support group, everybody that he's capable of winning at that level. Yeah. And, you know, there's a bunch of guys that'll spend years and not be able to show themselves that. So yeah. he did that part. So he knows that the competitive level is there and um, it's got to work on the execution, I guess. Yeah. So, ouch. Yeah. All right. Next up on the news side here, I've got Lure Master. Uh, they are signed up to run the MLF tournaments out in Central Europe. So that's awesome to see that out in... Um, for them uh so basically for and i'll read this part because it gets a bit more tricky because again uh this is more for their i guess the, the for their the international division of the mlf toyota series but uh yeah so they'll be running the events for here's for for all uh, for advanced anglers who are citizens or permanent residents of the host countries and again one angler from central europe will compete as a pro and then one uh, with mlf providing a rig boat and one angler will also complete as a striking co-angler. So uh, awesome to see, again, that they, uh, they're they trying to get that stuff uh, straightened out there because I know that FLW uh, had a really strong foreign international presence So to see that. Uh, but it's good to see that MLF is trying to get that stuff cleaned up so that um, uh, other anglers from that are outside the, uh, outside the U.S. can join in. So, yeah. Have you done any research? I'm I'm ignorant on European bass status. Is there are there a lot of opportunities? Is there a few opportunities? Do you um, have any idea other than speculation? Uh, I don't know for sure in terms of how it was. I can't remember for sure how it was, but prior to the FOW acquisition, but I know there was like uh, FOW had uh, like a Korea division. I don't remember for Europe if it was just Europe or if it was. Uh, international lump together maybe i feel yeah. like i remember i remember a world event of some sort in barcelona so that means that spain has bass we've seen a few italians yep. come on the scene so i'm yep. assuming they have bass but yep. um when i think of europe and like the things i read in the f publication and, and international angler 
publications, it seems like it's primarily carp driven. All the all the advertorial and content that I see is carp driven. Obviously, yeah. there's some bass heads over there, so I'm glad they got a place to go fishing. That's cool. I yeah. go to South Africa and giant fish, and and you know when I worked in the boat industry, I know we sent boats over to South Africa, obviously Japan, but that Central Europe area, I just I'm I'm ignorant on, so I didn't know if you knew yeah. any more than me on that or not. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. That's that's why it's 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 it's, it's, uh, it's been a few years. So two three years since the acquisition. Too, so it's been a few years since that whole FLW international side has been on my radar. So I can't remember for sure off the top of my head what the exact setup was like. But uh, I know there is a, st- a strong, decent, I guess a decent uh, bass following up in uh, Central Europe. I'm sorry, in Europe in general. But I just can't re- uh, can't recall what areas besides, like you mentioned, Italy, uh, Spain, uh, mm-hmm. having, uh, uh, I guess, a decent bass population. But yeah, so. Right. And just for the record, I do know that South Africa is not part of Europe. That's just my, <laughs> my extent, that's the extent of my international flavor. I saw you thinking through what I talked about, and I think you were thinking, does Danny think South Africa is in Europe? Because it's not. So anyway. No, 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 no. I didn't think that way. <laughs> Fair enough. You should have you should have hung me out to dry on that one, man. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I've got here is just uh, just to wrap, hopefully this might not seem to wrap up in a bad way, but uh, to wrap up the whole Bassmaster Classic stuff. But um, it's been about a month, I guess, you could say, since the Bassmaster Classic did happen. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the Bassmaster Classic did generate more than $35 million for the Knoxville area. So definitely good to see that um, the impact that that event had for that particular community. Uh, and hopefully that just means that they'll be going back to Knoxville sometime soon again. So, yeah. Seems like a great location and those are strong numbers. So obviously yeah. they got a good case to make that uh, they should go back. Yeah. Other than that, I think we'll kind of, I think it's about that time of the show uh, where, you know, me and Danny have to just put this show back on the trailer. I know it's it's been a, uh, what was a pretty good show. Uh, but yeah, again, folks, just please rate, review, share this podcast with everyone you know. I want to thank uh, the partners of our show here. That's Ranger, Mercury, Humminbird, Minkota, Strike King, Luz, Trickstep, Rely on Lithium Batteries, Dual Pro Charging Systems, TH Marine, Costa Sunglasses, Toyota, Visit Anderson and Sportsman's Warehouse. But last but not least, thank you to our listeners and our supporters. But with that, for Danny uh, and you know for uh, for the English Channel crew here, we'll catch you all in our next episode. Right lines, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's English Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.